streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. Not except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. It's like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold sets up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Well, there's another blown double-digit lead. The program's first three-game losing streak since the end of the Charlie Strong era. And now, I don't know, monkeys biting kids, allegedly. <laughs> Monkey business. It's uh, it's a hell of a week to follow the Texas Longhorns. But we'll, we'll keep it to what's happening on the field here on this latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. It's a 31-24 loss to Baylor, another splone double-digit lead in the second half, another one-possession loss for the Longhorns, and we'll talk about it here on this latest edition of the show. Before we move on, let me remind you and thank you, first off, for your support of the show, however you're listening, wherever you're listening. We just thank you so much for being a part of the presentation. You can get every episode of Longhorn Blitz by searching Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. Click the follow button to get every episode, and don't forget to leave us a five-star review, and you can hear it Tuesday nights here on the Horn 104.9101 and AM1260, streaming on that Horn app and at hornfm.com. Now let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Uh, I'm probably having a better week than Steve Sarkeesian. I can <laughs> guarantee yes. you that. Almost, It's almost <laughs> a certainty. Uh, man, every week is a good week for the third member of our team, our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003 spent his NFL career with Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you for the intro, brother. I appreciate it. Let's get down to business. Yeah. So um, much to get into. Look, so little time. Let me just <laughs> let's address this at the top. As we sit here right now, this Jeff Banks monkey incident, there's not enough like hard concrete evidence to go on for us to really talk about it. But man, if that isn't just like the cherry on the turd Sunday that has been the well the, like the last month for this program. Well, Danny Banks actually went on social media and tried to clear up a lot. Yeah, so we I do have to it. her well, side of her the story. Her Twitter account has and since hers, been deleted. So yeah, but uh, it's still out there. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, it's, I, I trust that it is. So I trust I've actually is. consumed a ton of it. So the whole point mm. is that uh, she basically said she start she is having a haunted house on Halloween for the kids in the neighborhood. Uh, she has a separate entryway for her uh, therapy 
pets emotional or whatever, support right? Her animal emotional in the support back. animals and all of her animals. She's got a ton. She of has different a lot animals of animals and everything. Yeah, she does. Like five different dogs too, right? She's got a lot of animals. She loves animals. So she's got a separate pen for them, and it, it does have signs everywhere saying, you know, do not come in here, do not touch, all this kind of stuff. And then separate cages. In addition to the gate, there's also separate cages you got to go into to get to the emotional support animals. And the claim is that some kid must have went through all those different cages and barriers and then got in there and then allegedly may have been, you know, bitten by a monkey. Allegedly yeah. may have been bitten by a monkey. But he would have, like I said, if he did do that or she did that, that kid, they, I mean, they went through a lot. I mean, there's clearly, it's not like the monkey was just loose trick-or-treating no. and then the monkey attacked the kid. No, it'd be no. funny if it She's was a, a responsible house. pet owner and the monkey was put away. Gia is the monkey's name, by the way, so the monkey is not nameless. Her name is Gia. Uh, and Gia is a, from all the accounts, Gia is, had been a well-behaved monkey yeah. forever. So I, I hadn't heard about this story until yeah. driving in, and then I heard some of Danny Banks' account watch, looked at yeah. the video on Twitter, and it was uh, quite entertaining at the time. Just yeah, she's to deleted hear. her account since. I couldn't believe what yeah. I was hearing, but uh, yes, a lot of monkey business. And I've met her, and <laughs> well done. Uh, and I've met her, and she is a delight. She is fantastic. Uh, I loved my time with Miss Banks. She was un, she was unbelievably like you know cool and down to earth and so i just throwing it out there i don't know it has nothing to do with the story but she's she's fantastic and it sounded i mean just from what happened and played out with the monkey it, it sounds quite believable if i was a kid and i was trick-or-treating and knew there was a monkey in the neighborhood i would be trying to f- go see the monkey see this so monkey. yeah it makes total yeah. sense but to she me had a haunted house also on her property but that was separate from the animal pen and the monkeys and all, the monkey. Sorry, let me plural. I'd be all oh, there at that haunted house. Let's go see the monkey. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> we don't know how you know how the kid did that. And she said she has not been contacted by parents or anybody about a monkey attack, alleged monkey attack. <laughs> yes, no uh, monkey fight. Or maybe the alleged. monkey was just defending itself. We don't even yeah. know. Like, no monkey fight. Defending it damn self. It did. You know. You know the hell. Enough is out. enough. Some damn kid going after a monkey. So. That's pretty much the uh, the gist of it. Like you said, that, uh, yeah. the irony is that <laughs> the college football world is universally mocking Texas right now, but it's not because they have squandered and lost three straight games no. having double-digit leads in the second half, which is why you should be mocking this program, but not mocking it. So, Texas, you know what? Take a bow. You have won the Internet even though you lost three straight games. Only Texas football can do that, fellas. <laughs> Yeah. Woo! Yeah, to quote, look. And to quote former Governor Bill Clements, since he talked about hey, enough of this monkey business, this Mickey Mouse business. Uh, I'll say this, Longhorn fans, this is probably a week where you, I don't know, maybe you want to stay on Twitter, but uh, the Dan Walkins and the Paul Feinbaums of the world, uh, the bait will be there for you to take it. Do whatever you will with it oh, because yeah. Texas is going to be the butt of the joke. Uh, in college football until we get to Saturday. And as we sit here, it's only Tuesday, so got a long way to go until we get to, to Ames at 6.30. Know, that punchline may, may may grow even more in, in Ames. <laughs> and it's going to be several months. There will be so many monkey suits in those stands, I guarantee you. It's going to be a section of monkeys at that stadium. Is it night, too? Oh, it's going to be a section of monkeys at Ames. And if they're not, I'm disappointed you know what in I'm you, Cyclone fans. You know what I'm looking forward to? Just monkeys just monkeying around. If Texas wins this game on Saturday... Does Sark, his opening statement for the press conference, if Texas wins, does he go with the we got our monkey off off the back line? If he doesn't, 
He's not my coach. <laughs> if he doesn't, he is not my damn coach. If you win that game, and you got to start with the monkey off the back thing. Matter of fact, I like to see I'd the, be like Steve, Steve Young. Young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steve get Young. that monkey off my get back during the Super Bowl, 94. Oh, get that monkey off my damn back. Oh, oh my God. Beautiful. It's going to be so good if they win, and he does, he makes that a reference. I would love it. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I uh, would love it. What was not beautiful was the Baylor game on Saturday. A 31-24 loss. Rod, I know we get we we like to you know get into football theory and take things apart ah, and figure out no how they need. work. <laughs> no mm-hmm. need, no, because I'm going. We just mentioned Steve Sarkeesian. I'm going right to Sark. We can talk about you know the lack of a run game. You know, Baylor was able to take away Texas' best player. We could talk about the defense and Matt and I were talking about it just a minute ago. And this defense on a per play basis, they're not bad. It's just when the breakdowns happen, they are catastrophic uh-huh. when they happen. I agree with mm-hmm. that. When we can and we can talk about the psyche of this team and what it does to you when you continue to blow double digit leads, but I'm looking right at the five million dollar man right now in a field goal game mm. with a ball at midfield mm. with nine and a half minutes left. Mm-hmm. We talk right all the time. There, there's this discussion right now among Texas fans and media members. Well, is it the coaches or the players? You know, the players have to go make plays, but coaches only can only put guys in a position to make plays. You did not put Cameron Dicker in a position to succeed. No, sir. Giving your punter slash kicker a run pass option on fourth and 11. Look, if it's fourth and five or less, I will listen to rationale on -hmm. why you did it. Mm -hmm. There was no reason to do that. And the bottom line, Rod, we talk about composure in tight games. You need somebody to step forward. Sark panicked. Sark panicked. The move backfired. And that's how your defense, you put them, they look completely deflated on that sudden change. And that's when Abram Smith breaks that long touchdown, and the game is over at that point. You're in midfield. You got a chance to flip the field. Mm-hmm. Just punt the ball. Just punt the ball. Nine and you a half minutes to, left. I mean, it's, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this I, I agree with both of you. Both of you guys threw out two words. I mean, if you said panic and Matt, you said desperation. Yes, that was, was a total desperation. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it was. That was a coach who expected. His team to melt down. <laughs> they it was twenty four twenty one nine minutes left. He he expected it. That's why he made that move. That move was basically start letting you know I got no answers. I got nothing. We aren't I gonna kn- stop him. We're gonna we lose. Are, we need to do a play. I to know flip my this. defense is gonna melt down. I have no confidence in him. He admitted I don't. He doesn't trust his offensive guys. Even the last press conference before the game. So he admitted that doesn't trust those guys. Doesn't trust his defense. And he doesn't have any answers. That's why the panic and the desperation move to go. RPO fake punt on fourth and eleven. I was dude. Bummed. If you're gonna go fourth and eleven, just keep the damn offense out there like you did versus Oklahoma. Agreed. <laughs> no, no, and that's why whenever he pulled this, what are you doing? My instincts were <laughs> we did Dicker just pulled a Tucker. I thought he did what Justin Tucker did against Wyoming back in 09 Whenever you had Mac calling out, the only time I heard Mac really call out a player like at a halftime, you know, oh, yeah, interview. Oh yeah, remember that? Like, because you always know that these rugby style punters sort of have their own decision in their mind if they can get it. And in that situation, you would probably want to just kill that if that is you know what you have that the guy may be like, oh no, make sure we're punting this time, you know. But the fact that it took until post game press conference and me hearing people talk that it was actually a call, I thought there was no way that it was a call. I thought t- t- Dicker went rogue, screwed up, and then that was the whole issue. When I found out it was coaches, out my immediate thought was desperation. And I was like, okay, well, he did that. I don't really think it was a good call or agree with it, but I understand it if you are that desperate and think 
think, oh, no, we're going to – it's about to snowball. The only way to do this is to try to get it now. That now, means you don't trust yourself as a coach. Yeah. I mean, you're an offensive coach. I mean, you don't. That means you don't trust yourself as a coach, in my opinion. Basically, he the game, and I, I, he gave the game away in that move. That was, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we can all agree that yeah. was the game in a nutshell in terms of the field position. I heard heard you talking about I don't like the tower, and I saw the tweet too, uh, Jeff. Uh, David Randall, by the way, he knew the play was coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now he knew the play was coming. Had, had they had talked about here, I'll give you the the uh, the, the uh, tweet from. Um, from Dave Aranda, not only did they know the play was coming, but they had practiced that play. He's, yep. he's Dave Aranda on the fake pump from Craig Smoke. He said, we had worked on that look quite a bit, so we were calling that out prior. I give Coach Powledge a lot of credit for that, uh, which means they went deep in Jeff Banks's mm-hmm. uh, history as a special teams coach because he ain't done no fakes here. Mm-hmm. So they went deep into the Jeff Banks history. Oh, that's great coaching, by the way. Uh, and yep. they were ready for it. So that means Sark could have called it off. Go look. They have some jet motion mm-hmm. on that fake. Keelan Robinson, I believe, is in motion. Or I believe it's Keelan Robinson. So they got time to stop it. Sark, Sark once you see that they know the play's coming, because it's yeah. pretty obvious. You go back and rewatch it, they know it's coming. Or somebody upstairs can see. Oh, dude, Diagnosis. Yeah. It's, it's pretty obvious that they know it's coming. Dude, call the timeout. Yeah. Stop the play. Stop the play. Yeah, I was surprised that it, it was actually on a pre-snap call. It's bad. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, you, that's bad. no, you could. I, we're gonna get into other aspects of the game, but that that to me, Rod, is was where was it? And you, a tipping look, point. That was inexcusable. Yeah, it you, was. There was a point in the second half where it was tough to trust the defense, right? Because they come out after halftime, after Texas, right after Texas goes up twenty-one ten. Boom! Baylor goes down and scores. They have th- they have two touchdown drives, two long touchdown drives, one, a nine play drive and a fourteen play drive. But it's not like your defense was terrible the entire day. I, I I charted a sequence. So Baylor's first three drives, when they scored ten points in those drives, one of those drives the was the, was the turnover. Yeah. Uh, Baylor one hundred thirty five yards, over six point seven, basically six point eight per play. Nine first downs. They were two for three on third down. And a touchdown, a field goal, and then the one drive they ended with the interception. But Baylor's last 19 snaps of the first half, mm-hmm. you hold them to 75 yards, less than four yards per play, three first downs. They were one for four on third down. You get an interception, you force a missed field goal, and you have a turnover on downs. So it's not like the defense was just terrible all day. No, they made they made plays. They made some plays. I mean, the defense is look, the, the defense is not going to be fixed this season. No. Um, because defense is about personnel. You just have you need playmakers. You need guys that can win one on ones on the D line and cornerbacks that can win one on ones on the outside. Texas really doesn't have that. So you kind of lose the numbers game initially and schematically it's hard for Texas to get a true advantage. So you're not gonna fix that. You can improve on it, you're not gonna fix it. But all they can do is hope to make plays situationally, which they did. I thought the defense actually made enough plays considering we know what they are. They yeah. are who we thought they were. Yeah. Sark, you're the offensive genius, and yet late in the games in the second half, your offensive genius becomes inept. D- disappearing. It does. I mean, I'll, I'll give you the num- The numbers are staggering as to how bad. Okay, uh, they've had 17 second-half drives in the last three games, 13 punts, turnover on downs, or turnovers. Only two touchdowns and two <sighs> field goals. What the hell? And you've been in like the bottom forty. It's down. It, coming into last week, Texas was ninety second in the nation in three and outs. It's if you look at percentage of drives that end in three and outs, nearly one of every three drives finished in a three and out. If you're, if you're, sorry, you got to be thinking 
as extremists right now because you can't win. He keeps talking about this complimentary football. You are not good enough to play complimentary Mm-mm. football, Sark. Nope. And the fact that you have not noticed that halfway, more than halfway through the season, like what the hell are you talking about? Complimentary football? It ain't gonna happen. Yeah, forget and about it. Iowa State you gotta team. Go that's win. what they do. Yeah, you gotta go win. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. what Baylor can do. Yep. You can't do that. You need to go win with your offense. Mm-hmm. And the fact that your offense stalls in the second half now three weeks in a row. Man, come on, man. I mean, this is this is now clearly a pattern, right? One time happenstance, two times, you know. Oh man, that's uh, it's a bit, you know, of a coincidence. And three times, uh, it's a bit of a pattern. Four time will be a trend. Yep. And if it's a trend, that means that's part of you, that's part of your DNA as a coach. That ain't good. And you look at the teams that Texas has played in recent weeks, Okie State and Baylor. Like, yeah, they have good defenses, but that's why it makes this weekend's game so scary because Iowa State not only has a good defense, but they have an offense that's nearly as good as Texas's. So when you look across the board, that's sort of like that Groundhog Day. These games are all going to look about the same because it's the same type of architecture, and that's what makes it so scary that you see Texas every single week. The one thing Texas has over the opponent is the one clear-cut better off to this point of the season. Exactly. And then, but like you're and saying. The player, and the player, Bijan. Exactly. And he's also had workload that can be easily taken away if the opposing team is getting all these snaps and plays. On a per-play basis, you can be as good as you want. But if you're having those cratering holes or then also say there's some bad luck involved with turnovers and it's Penalties, just going to make you. Exactly. Once you add those things up and then you aren't maximizing the one thing you do well and you're playing against teams that are sound, they can play complimentary football because they got a top 25 or top 15 defense and they play good on special teams and they don't have cratering holes that's where texas like the only way you can win is it in a shootout you need to just go it's a balls to the wall all game go, all gas no breaks mm-hmm. okay. there you go yeah but that's disappeared for a month <laughs> you haven't even heard that nobody in the second that. half anyway back yes. to something yeah. matt just mentioned it is staggering how small the margin for error for this team is mm-hmm. it, i mean it's this is like Tom Herman year one or like some Charlie Strong offenses. Their inability, Rod, other than the Louisiana game, and maybe you can look at points in the Texas Tech game, to overcome any kind of misstep on offense, a procedural penalty, uh, a drop, a drop pass, whatever it is, it's almost like they have to be pretty close to perfect yeah. to execute on offense right now. Yeah, once they get behind a change, I, I did the math. They are four of 26, I believe, on third and long, third and seven plus in the last four games, I believe that is. Uh, yeah, four of 26. And if you look at uh, just percentage. I know they were of, two for 14 on third and seven or longer. They've only had uh, one in each of the last four games. And only Texas. One third, and one of them against TCU was a third and nine. That was a, a, a Bijan run. Yeah. So they are not on third, third and long. They are. It's a death sentence for Texas. I think they were two, two for Fourteen, I think, in the Oklahoma and Oklahoma State games. I gotta go back and check my numbers. No, you're right. They, were, they had seven and seven in both yeah, those games. They okay. were three of twenty-one prior to this last game uh. in the last three games on third and long. And one of those, like I said, was a Bijan Robinson run. Yeah, third nine. Who the hell calls a run on third nine? 
And then when you're talking about the lack of success on third downs, also a way to prevent that is to be able to be successful on first or second down. But Texas is 96th in the nation on percentage of first downs that you gain on first and second. Because you really don't ever yeah. want to get to third down because third down's predictable in most scenarios. You know. If you're in pass down or if you're in run downs, it makes it tough. So being able to be successful on those for early downs and being able to win in unsc- or, uh, against the script type plays, Texas being 96th in percentage of first down, second down is really surprising because normally good offenses do good on those downs. Yeah. Texas isn't. It's interesting because I looked at in this game, I said they had to, you know, break tendency again because Dave mm-hmm. Randall was just going to, you know, he was going to load up to stop the run early mm-hmm. on, which he did. And Texas did break tendency. You go look at once they get that 21 to 10 lead, their early down pass rate is 63%. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually, their first down pass rate was even higher. I mean, that was around 76%. Really? So Sark knew, numbers. Yeah, Sark knew, like, and his play action pass numbers was up. So he knew early on, I got to break tendency. And they did it successfully. They got the tight ends involved, like got we talked about. Got the tight ends involved. So he, but late, it, like I said, he doesn't plant enough Easter eggs. He doesn't plant enough seeds early on so that he can reap those seeds later on in the second half. What we call, you know, Shannon used to call them money plays. It probably still does. Mm-hmm. Calls them money plays. you got to have plays that you are setting them up for later on. Mm-hmm. What was the play for Baylor they were setting Texas up for? The tight end. The tight yep, end. the tight end. Yeah. <laughs> Right, the double post tight end mm-hmm. up the opposite sideline. Yep. Everybody's like, "Damn it, they've been setting Texas up for that." But yep. it was a play. It was beautiful. It was. You I've can seen tell they Bay- knew we got this. We got it. They scored on that in the BYU game. Like Baylor has run that play, and it's the beauty of, of it is. Jeff Grimes will lull you to sleep, and then at some point in the second half, he's like, all right, now's the time. Boom, call it. Right through the traffic, yeah. up the opposite sideline. Beautiful play. And then they came back to him. That's the play where he touched down and he scored. A handoff. The, oh, yeah, Blake the, Sims. The tight end, Sims, the tight end yes. jet sweep, if yeah. you will. Mm-hmm. So, tight no, end around. Yeah. And no, Texas had one of those with Juan Davis. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, no, no, listen, Sark's got some – he's got some nice tools that he's working with. And I, I love the Sark cheat codes. But, like I said, all those cheat codes, all those force multipliers, the usage rates do drop in the second half, and they dropped again. I mean, play-action pass, pre-snap motion, bunch, two back sets, targeting man in motion, deep ball, all those rates dropped in the second half. Only rates that increased pretty much were empty formation and RPOs. He's, he's using less cheat codes. Sark, use more. Just use more of them. Your offense will be, be better, I swear. Yeah. It's crazy. I don't understand it. No, I don't I don't get it either. And you know we can talk about all that, Rob, but the, here's the bottom line for me on the offense. And I I, I will put that on Sark the fake punt call because to me that's yeah, that's as egregious as anything we got on the Tom Herman or Charlie Strong for. Yeah. Like it was that bad of a call. It's really bad. But the bottom line for me is we talked about how good of a field position team Baylor is. And when you get the ball in plus territory, you got to go get points because you're not going to be there that often. To me, this comes down to three drives. You had a drive in at the Baylor 44 with a turnover on downs. You had a drive in at the Baylor 19 with a fumble. Mm. And you had a drive in at the Baylor 29 with an interception. And don't forget the drop touchdown. Mm-hmm. Which was on the drive with the, drive with the with the with the interception, mm-hmm. that, oh, with the fumble. Excuse yeah, me. it was. It was it, yeah. yeah, the Josh Moore drive. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm um, with you. That's then the that's the game in a nutshell, right there. Pretty was it much. The intercept- I forget it was. The, no, no, no. You're right. It's, one, it's on one yeah. of those. It is it on one the of same those, guy. Because literally, I remember watching, going. 
He's had a, that's a bad drive for him. Well, and that then, young man. that's where the margin for error, like Jeff was talking about, such a big deal because, like, if you have these things happening, and then say you happen to just have a few incidents that just become within the play, like down the field with the drop when a player actually just makes a mistake, like those type of things, you don't want to have the coaches making the mistakes, the penalties happening. Then also you have to factor in the bad luck factor, and yeah. then you have to factor in human error, a few that. human error yeah, elements. Just missing you, a block. Normally, you can just survive if you. You're just surviving the human error element. Yeah. You can get away with it, but you can't get away. And then that's what makes those things just amplify and get so much worse when you add on top and you start totally to agree. layer these things. Yeah. And you look at all four aspects of it. Well, you aren't. That's not a recipe. That's why you see things like post game win expectancies out there. And it's like Baylor was at ninety five percent according to Bill Conley. That means in the scenarios where just those things that played out on the field today, Baylor wins ninety five out of a hundred times. It's surprising Texas was even in the ball game in those type of situations and that's where like say Iowa State at times this year has also been a team that's made similar type mistakes and had those same type of they issues have, yeah. and that's what's caused them to lose like yeah. the Iowa game like that game I believe it was a 7% post game win expectancy or maybe no it was 12% because you had Iowa just turning over Brock Purdy and Brees Hall and all these guys a few times and when those things happen you just can't afford to have actual human errors you want to just have the game limited to just human errors not all these other things that we've seen Texas adding to the recipe Good yeah, point. it's Good point. it's frustrating to watch I know for Texas fans it's got to be frustrating like we talk about the margin for error but does it, there's a reason I picked Baylor to win the game I, did I didn't like the matchup mm-hmm. for Texas because what Baylor does well, Texas doesn't do well. And, Matt, we talked about how even this thing was on paper last week. Mm-hmm. The one thing for me, I know we talked about various areas where we felt like it was going to swing one way or the other. You like the explosive play differential, just how explosive Baylor could be on offense. Uh, Rod, I, for, I forgot, what, what was the statistical area that you were – concerned with going in last week? Uh, I was the edges, I believe. Yeah. I probably got into how the edges, Texas is brutal giving up yards. And they didn't the do edge. a terrible job defending the mm, zone run. They didn't uh, do a great job. Well, no, because it was a diverse running game. It wasn't just the, zone the, op- the options. They broke out the speed them. option. The speed option killed them. <laughs> they broke out. Yeah, remember that little, that little uh, kind of a half bat? It's kind of a toss. Yeah. It's kind of a quick pitch, I guess I should say. Where the quarterback was like was almost like a zone. Pitch. Yes, yeah. where they they kind of run a zone out of it, and no, and they would they had that pin and pull where they'd pull the center and pull the tackle. I think mm-hmm. block down the two. Uh, it was back to H back and a tight end. Yeah, block them down and then put. Man, it was it was a diverse running game. Well, that, just that, one thing. The, the same areas that were uh, worry should be the worry this week because it's like Brees Hall off the left edge this year, eight point one yards mm. per attempt, mm. and off the right end. Uh, 8.6. No other part does he average anything. It's like all are below 4.8. But you're talking about, yep, off the right end and off the left end, outside of the tackles. He ends up being specifically. Everybody everybody in the world wants to run wide zone and outside zone. In Texas, it's really bad at stopping those plays. And it's amazing. It's going, you look uh, anywhere else on the field, (laughs) it's anywhere between 1.9 to 4.8. You look left in and right, and it's 8.1, 8.6. I ask you a question. A defensive guy, yeah. and I know a little it's bit of this from defensive line play about defending zone runs. And it's like, it seems like the later you get into games, got the technique. I notice up front, technique gets really sloppy. You get a lot of options as a runner. Is that? Yep. Can we chalk that up to a strength conditioning issue? Is that a mental focus? Hey, issue? Remember, Sark said it's not. Sark said they have the health monitors. 
the performance monitors okay, on well, the guys. I don't know what my eyes are seeing. And he says performance monitors don't they're not they don't change like all the functions. All are, I know is late in the game, your technique gets really sloppy. Uh, your front side guys are over pursuing. Your backside guys are not in a position to stop the cutback lane. The one time I really saw Texas stop a cutback run, they did it a couple times, but the one that stands out, it was when Baylor had the turnover on downs in the first half. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're talking about. like When we talk about talent, you know, a talent deficiency on this team, and uh, we had this conversation last week, so I don't want to go down that rabbit hole again. Stanford Collins. But, right, yeah, but, right, you, you talk about I guys that can win one-on-ones. Yeah. That was a great play by it a guy a that looks like he's going to have the, uh, the the chance to play in the National Football League at some point. That's Alfred Collins sticking a foot in the ground, getting vertical, and stopping the running back. I saw that. Yeah, now I can, I can see the play you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but they, they need more of those. And to your point, and obviously I'm being a little sarcastic when I'm talking about Sark, talking about the health monitors, and yeah, the performance monitors say the guy's heart rates and their blood oxygen levels and everything are just fine. And maybe they do. More but sophisticated the, than P. But he's right. They, that's science. <laughs> I, I believe in science. Yeah, all right. So Mensa, Mensa versus me, Dan. I like that, Matt. Um, but Abram Can Smith. Can we just get a drop of Matt saying that's more sophisticated than P? <laughs> yeah, I'll pull it out. Right and it's very, it makes sense, too. <laughs> but uh, Abram Smith uh, said this late about Texas defense. He said, Quote, you can see the hands on hips. Those guys retired. The holes went from creases to you could put a train through it. <laughs> so uh, when Abram also was asked about Texas keeping their two safeties back, he, inviting the run, he said, well, okay, if you're going to do that, we are going to run over you. And he pointed out their linebackers, to your point, Jeff, were overflowing hard front side, which opened up the cutbacks. He said flooring hard front side. I said overflowing hard front side. Simple stuff. So the opposing uh uh, team is telling, yeah, basically saying what you're saying, Jeff, pretty much. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. I get, yeah, Matt, is there anything you want to mention? Because I got I got to crunch. I got to do some numbers here real quick. I'm doing this. Get to them. So. Um, no, I'll, I'll say this though about the defense, and it's I've watched I've, I've watched that game three times. Okay, so I've watched it a ton. Peak. What they were trying to do with the safeties, they was like they're keeping the safeties too high. They're keeping the safeties too high. They were they played more single high in this game and they played too high. What they were doing was they're rotating late because Baylor pretty much is a check-with-me offense, as yes. Sark said. So pre-snap, they're reading the defense, and then based on that pre-snap read, boom, they're going to have a different play call based on what they see. So they Texas was trying to keep their disguise shell as long as they could, force them to make the wrong play call. So the call. offense couldn't read their keys. Exactly. And then force them into the wrong play, rotate the safety late, and hopefully rotate that safety right into where they were going to run the football. That just didn't happen. And sometimes they would rotate right into the run and still Bailey would make Because then your angle's going to be off if yeah, you don't if you're not, time it up right. Exactly. If you're not running the alley right, which we know our safeties don't do well. So that's <laughs> what they were trying to do there. But they actually did play more single high. They, he's, PK is trying. Mm-hmm. Right? He's throwing yeah. different personnel out there. He tries a 3-4, threw that out there. I mean, they, they threw a lot of different They're playing fronts. different shades up front. Yeah. Different shades up front. So he's trying He's trying to throw different things out there. And I will say this, as as you mentioned, Jeff, there were some plays made on defense early. There was a chance for for this offense early to hit hit halftime with already with a two-touchdown lead. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And Texas missed those opportunities. Yeah. And because Texas missed those opportunities, maybe they came out like uh, a banshee right out of the half with oh, a touchdown I drive. charted it. Because was, it was it 12 play or well, what was it? And that's a good thing. The last two weeks you've seen really 14, good adjustments, 14, you think. For, at least coming out of the half. Yeah. It's coming out of the half. I'm but it was a long drive. Baby steps. And it was 14. 14 points. Yeah, it was a long drive. 
Uh, I charted. You know, one thing I've started charting during games because I'm just Matt. You got me on this a few years ago, and I'm just I'm in love with the statistic. Uh, play differential for me mm-hmm. is now a big one. It is a good. And one. I looked at it at the end of the first quarter. Baylor was plus thirteen in play differential. They had Baylor had nine first downs in the first quarter. I'm thinking this defense is going to get gassed. Yeah. But because of that fourteen play drive, by the time Baylor gets the ball in the second half, down twenty one ten. The play differential flips and it's Texas plus two. Wow. Yeah. So damn. This is the fr- so, this is the frustrating part about the defense. That's crazy. When your defense started to crater, they, they had halftime. They, they had rested. a fourteen play drive that took six and a half minutes off the clock. They should have been rested. They and, should and have adjustments. Been, Tough they, adjustments. Made. They should mm-hmm. have been in peak performance level when mm-hmm. they started to crater. Wow. That's what's frustrating about this defense. So Sark may it may be, may have a point that it's not the strength and conditioning as much as it is. Guys who just are mentally wearing down. They're mental conditioning. It's something. It's something. Right? Makes Here's, the fake punt make less sense. This is I, I, I went back and looked at this. Yeah, Baylor's yeah. explosive plays. And like I said, this is this is the frustrating thing about the defense. When you look at the this is why, man, I love Teflon John Madani told me this years ago, and I love mm-hmm. it. He said, Man, stats are like a bikini. They show you a lot, they don't show you everything. Sometimes you really gotta dig deep into that box mm-hmm. score to see what's going on. So sure. everybody looks at oh, Texas gave up 199 yards on the ground. They gave up 200 yards rushing, 4.7 a carry. Very true. If you look at Baylor's runs that were not explosive in nature, fewer than 12 yards, right? And this is actually 10 or fewer. Okay. 37 for 101, 2.7 per carry. That's manageable. That's really, that's pretty that's, good. Yeah. But Baylor had five runs that were explosive in nature, 12 or more yards, five for 98. Wow. And you know what? I know what two of them are. Two of them are that play I'm talking about where they block down, the two tight ends block down, mm-hmm. and then they pull that center and pull that tackle, and then they say quick pitch to Ebner. Was it Ebner? Eight, Ebner went for 18, it's two, I think, on it's, that. So it's, it's two because I think Ebner's got one. He's got a Ebner, 20. Yep, Ebner for 18, and I think the 20-yarder by Abram Early, Smith in right? the first half, that was one okay. of those. Yep. Yeah, it was one of those, too. Yeah, I remember it was two of those plays, and they they, they got chunks each time. It was weird. It was crazy. Yeah. Then you got – Trying to think of the other. Bohannon, and then Bohannon of course had one on an, on an option keeper. Yeah, you're right. And uh, then of course there's the long one, Abram Smith at the end, the Abram touchdown one where he, he starts out to the left and then spins. Gets hit into the perfect <laughs> spin, and it's like they, he gets hit and like spins Dijon. around in wild spin. And he's like, oh, I can see no but, one's at, in that corner. Nobody. Yeah. It's just but, like, oh well, you scared thing, me though. in the right direction. Look you're at right. when some of these plays are happening. Some of those explosive plays they're giving up are happening. An 18 yard run by Tristan Ebner in the first quarter. Came on third, a third and seven. Ooh. A twenty-yard run by Abram Smith in the first quarter. Came on a second and eight. Mm. Bohannon's ten-yard run on a keeper on a third and four. I Tr- remember that. Treston Ebner on an eight, another eighteen-yard run. Came on a second and seven. And then the Ebner thirty or the excuse me, the Abram Smith thirty-two-yard touchdown run. That was on the sudden change after the fake yeah. punt. And remember that uh, run by um, Gary. It um, they almost have him sacked, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Remember, I don't know who's blitzing. I can see it in my head, but he he avoids the blitzer, and I'm like, oh, he like literally, he was right there, and then he ends up deciding to run for it, and he gets the first down. It's deja vu. I mean, these are the things yeah. that we talked about that were making Texas for the yeah. this in enti- the entirety of doing this show for a decade. We've talked about the cratering issues, the things that you just can't have those ten plays that negate seventy good plays, or so you can go out there and play better than your opponent most of the time. But when you're mm. bad, it totally overrules everything, and you end up losing again. Yeah, Texas has allowed the second most 20-plus yard plays in the Big 12. TCU has allowed the most. 
Yep. And they just and got their coaches. Uh, they fired Gary Patterson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever you want to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Texas two wins in the Big 12. Coaches fired. <laughs> right? Yeah. Gary Patterson and Matt Wells. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Kudos. Coaching dominoes. <laughs> Kudos, Texas. At least well, you hey, get some coaches fired. Coaches are just... like, damn, we lost to Texas? Yeah. Get that coach the hell out of here. Replace Kansas. Wow. Yeah, yeah, but I just I hate harping on it, man. But that's my issue with this defense, man. When it goes You're bad, right. dude, it is. Like I said you talk it's about catastrophic. You talk about uh, you shot your pinky toe off, dude. They're sticking their leg in the wood chipper. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. It is. It is. And it's late too, because you're right. Early on, they don't have a ton of those. Every now and then, you'll see one, but they, they, they're able to limit those. Those are ripping your that goes, heart that out. That goes plays. back to what we talked yeah. about, like similar in offense. Like Pete Kwiatkowski, if you look at his initial plans. They're not bad. They're not bad. I agree. You see adjustments from one week to the next. Oklahoma State. You see some different Oklahoma was so damn good. You got the quarterback bench. That's what got you. Now that guy's going to end up <laughs> yeah. winning. He's probably end up as a Heisman finalist. Yeah, Caleb Williams will probably be in New York. Should have just let Rattler be mediocre. Let... It's the way that like football nowadays really in hindsight is. is like, oh, well, let's just let him score, and then you go and come from behind. It's like, oh, yes. we should have just let Rattler we be a little bit let better. Rattler be Rattler, man, and we'd have been all right. We'd man, be in a different place it's today. Wild. It's wild how things work out. And meanwhile, Bijan Robinson, I'm not going to say this is a wasted season or a lost season, but uh, you can forget probably most likely about him being in New York. Because oh, no. If a, if a running back is going to get there, it's going to be Kenneth Walker. No, we continue mm-hmm. on the 40 acres to waste great offensive talent. You can say what you want, but he's so talented. We know this. We've seen it with our own eyes. He should be a finalist for the Heisman. The fact that he's not yeah. means the team underachieved. Bijan's Bijan's twenty this this 2021 season for Bijan, it's different because, I mean, people can say what they want about Sam Ellinger. I know how I feel about Sam Ellinger as a quarterback. It's kind of starting to feel like Sam Ellinger's 2019 where if you look at the really good games mm. Sam had, Sam had some really good games in he that did. 19 season. But you know what? Your defense was so bad. Eh, Joe Burrow was better. Eh, Jalen Hurts was better. You go down the list of quarterback battle, one-on-one quarterback battles that Sam lost that year. Eh, the other guy was just better. Great point. I agree with you on that. Yeah. And I, I think for, for, for Texas, though, they lost a chance because Beach's not going to be here for, for, for four years. No, so you got next next year is it. Like mm-hmm. you know, so you better make sure the whole entire offseason you build the entire offense around the identity should be that guy because this year mm-hmm. he was the identity. It should have been mm-hmm. last it should have been, too. but it's not. Yeah. Should've well, I think it, it it felt like it was it, it was early on. It's the identity. It feels like it's when it was the identity. Easy. Yeah, when it was easy, it was. But now it's gotten harder. Now he's going up against you know, I think other great coordinating play calling minds. Sark has he, he allowed them to take Bijan out of the game. That's mm-hmm. that cannot happen. He's too good. What? If he if he doesn't have production, we know it's not him. Yeah, it's you. He's that good. Sorry, Sark. He's better than he's a better player than you are a play caller to me. So it's your fault that he yeah. is got limited. No, because he's a, he's the perfect uh, weapon. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what game script it is, he is perfect. If you're leading, you feed Bijan and you yeah, run Bichon. the clock. If you're trailing, you can always dump it down to Bijan and yeah. keep the chains moving and go to where receiving running backs fit perfectly for both game script scenarios one that's like him not every running back can be a guy like him that can have the yards after contact and be a guy that's a true weapon in the pass game that's why you get so frustrating when you realize all right we got one more left of one of our best running backs we've ever seen true that yeah it's it's mm, this is kind of disheartening um real quick because we got to start wrapping this up uh you know a lot of questions about casey thompson Yes. Is he the right guy or not? I mean, I I think it's 
it's fair to ask. The it's questions. fair to ask. Mm-hmm. I, I just my opinion on that is let's just remember that slow burn it takes for a quarterback who hasn't started. I mean, Casey's been here a long time. He hasn't played. It's true. You're in the midst of that slow burn of you're going to have some ups and downs and teams have film on you and they can figure out how to play you and you're you're getting into these situations where all of a sudden it becomes a drop-back passing game and that's probably not his strength. No. Uh, so I, to me, was Casey Thompson great? No. But was he the reason you lost the game on Saturday? No, my opinion, no. His play was not the reason you lost the game. No, I agree. But it doesn't matter. You play quarterback. Yeah. You get all the girls and you get all the grief, as VY once told me. So <laughs> you lose four four in a row, first time since 2010. Three huh? Three in a row. I said if. Oh, you said if. If they lose four in a row for the first time since 2010, it's going to be a quarterback change. Because Sark needs to change the narrative because at that point we're going to start looking at Sark like, hey, man, what's the deal? You see the media? The media's now – I think it was Kirk Bowles who asked him, why is the defense so bad? The media starts getting crankier and crankier. Because they they they, they oh, hate they writing these stories in this too. Town quick. So four yeah. after four, they gonna start just straight up throwing not just straight up heaters at you. They are already asking you questions that been make you uncomfortable. Been writing this for a decade, Rod. Been talking about yeah. it for a decade. So you're what? That's why they're in a bad mood. Yeah, tired of writing about an underachieving Texas football team. I'd rather write about you know an exotic dancer and the monkey. You know what I mean? I think that's what that's that's where you are right now. People yeah. rather talk about that than talk about your subpar football program because we're tired of it. Because it's been this way forever. You've promised change, and nothing's changed. What starts here changes the world? Okay, except on the football field. Because it seems like Groundhog Day. Ain't going to lie. No, it it really is. Four coaches. Four coaches. (laughs) And everybody's like, Robbie, you're overreacting when he got the job. Okay. I just warned you and said, I don't think it's an upgrade necessarily, but we shall see. I said, just show me. Just show me. I don't want to talk about how great everything is. Don't want to talk about how awesome it's going to be. Great story, and it can end it here. When my first year on varsity football, Coach Johnny, he was an assistant DB coach for us, played in the league for, for a few years. I, my first year, I messed up cover five, which is man coverage on one side, zone on the other. Ran back to the sideline, and I said, Coach, I should have. And he stopped me. He said, <laughs> he said shoot. He literally stopped me, and he said, when you come to this sideline, don't you come here as a should have, would have, could have mo- you come to the sideline as a guy who did his damn job. And he walked off of me. He treated me like an NFL player, even though I was like 15 years old at the time. Still sticks in my head. Right now, Texas is a shoulda, woulda, coulda, mup university. That's all we talk about. What we shoulda did, what we coulda did, what we woulda did. But we don't get the damn job done. If ifs and buts were candies and nuts, Steve Sarkeesian would be Willie freaking Wonka. But he ain't. Okay, it's about getting the win, getting the dub. Oklahoma's got the same issues you got. Benching mm-hmm. quarterbacks, offensive line underachieving, defensive line ain't as good as they thought, defensive backs can't cover, can't tackle. They got the longest winning streak in the country. Because all that matters is just win the damn game. That's it. Yep, they've survived Quit making excuses. It. Excuses are like a-holes, and Texas has a lot of big freaking excuses right now. Okay? Let's cut it out and call it like we see it. That's it. Uh, I can't think of a better way to end the podcast than that. Thank you, Rod. Matt, we'll be back next week to hopefully not be talking about the program's first four-game in-season losing streak since 2010. The 5-7 and seven debacle under Mac Brown was the last time Texas had a four-game losing streak in-season.
Like you had one like Charlie lost his last three games. Tom Herman lost his debut. That was four, but we're getting into, we're venturing into that territory. Come on now, that's whew, come on now. <laughs> that's why the one Did you, didn't you, you struggling to, to make a bowl game. Yeah. yeah, then making a bowl game would actually be. Uh, that's not a, a that's not a given at this it's point. A, it's not, it's exactly that's exactly what I want. You got to go to Ames. It's not a guarantee. You got to go to Morgantown still. Uh, they beat you, you Iowa ho- State. You host K State at the end of the year. That's not a terrible football team. No, Chris Kleiman's a damn good coach. And might have, he might pull out all the stops in that game because he's got nothing to lose. You do. You do host Kansas. Yes, you do. But they they took Oklahoma to the mat, and as you pointed out, Tom Herman never covered versus never Kansas, covered so. a spread against so. the Seahawks. <laughs> oh, too what a what a time to be alive. A time to be a Longhorn. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome, Rod. B. Appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049 1019 AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B on RBKD each and every weekday from 3 to 7. Seamus Luck. You can also hear myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Don't forget to search Horns 24 7 anywhere you get your podcast. Click that follow button to get every episode of Longhorn Blitz along with State of Recruiting and the flagship. And don't forget to leave us a five star review. For the Horn family, for the Horn's 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.